0: All right, let's go ahead and get one thing out of the way. I know I don't sound like me, but I'll tell you what, this is the best I've sounded all week, and I knew that God was going to grant this when it came to this time, because I know certain things, and I know that I'm called to be right here doing this, and so while my voice may not sound like Jeff, I'll tell you this, I feel good My voice is just not the one that feels good right now. And uh, so we're going to be just fine, but if you can get used to however I'm sounding, I've been called froggy today numerous times. I've been called lots of other things, and they're all probably true. But uh, I feel good. God has something for us, and He's going to use this voice that I think is the strongest that it's been all week right now. And so I ask you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1. When you get there, You can put your finger on verse 26. We will read from there here in just a moment or two. If you're grabbing that pew Bible in front of you, you can use use it and go to page 1177. 1177 in the pew Bible. Today, December 17th, 2023, is my anniversary. Angela has put up with me for 35 years today. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. She deserves every bit of that and more for what she goes through every day. She is an amazing woman. One of the things that I love about my wife is her attention to detail and her ability to communicate, especially the events of her day. I will come home and I'll ask her how her day was, and then she will recount the day in great detail. 8 a.m., 8.15, 8.30, 8.45, you get the point. And that's important to her, and that makes it important to me, and I love the enthusiasm of which she lives her day and then the way that she shares her day uh, with me. I, in turn, after that conversation, she asked me how my day was, and I typically give her a very wordy, it was good. And she's learned to recognize that, you know, there are times when I'll, when I say more and things like that, but you know, have you ever noticed that when you read about Christmas, Matthew and Luke view Christmas about like men and women view conversation to stereotype just a little bit, um... Luke regales the details, the words, the beauty in 132 verses. Luke takes time to share the Christmas story, recounting the birth of Jesus from Mary's perspective. Matthew, on the other hand, including the wise men, that's after Jesus' birth. I give him credit for everything he talked about in Christmas, even through the wise men. Matthew covers the Christmas story in 20 verses. And Matthew provides us Christmas from Joseph's perspective. Today, we're going to look at both perspectives, the perspective of Mary from Luke, where we'll stand here in just a second, and the perspective from Matthew or Joseph's angle from the story. So let's stand and read together from Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 26 through 38, 26 through 38 of Luke chapter 1. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Mary, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scriptures open, get your notes ready. We're going to walk through this just a little bit. Verse 26 starts off in the sixth month. Now, we talked a lot about this last week. If you remember, we took the perspective of the Christmas story from John the Baptist and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we talked about how John the Baptist was the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, was the beginning of the Christmas story, and was the singular earliest thing that every one of the gospel writers had in common. And so we talk about this. We talk that Elizabeth and Zacharias were going to have a baby granted by God to be named John, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And we covered this in good detail, but that's what it means in the six months. It's in the sixth month of Elizabeth and Zacharias's pregnancy of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. In verse 26, we're told that in this sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to Nazareth. Note that he was sent by God at a specific time, to a specific place, to a specific person. Isn't that awesome? And Galatians 4.4 reminds us that in the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, to be the redeemer of the world. God's detail at the Christmas time is very specific. That means that Gabriel, since Jesus was in the beginning with God and God's plan of sending Jesus as his son is not God's plan B. It's always been God's plan. That means that since in the beginning, since before in the beginning, there's been a time waiting. Is it time? Is it time? I bet you Gabriel has known this was going to be his assignment. The Lord's just going, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. And then one day, the Lord comes to Gabriel and he says, Hey, Gabriel, it's time. It's time. And then he sent Gabriel to share the message of good news. And he sent Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. Verse 27 says, Mary, a teenager, a virgin, engaged to be married to Joseph, Note how many different details were given specifically about Mary. The one thing we need to understand is that God knew Mary. He knew everything about Mary. He knew where she was and where he could find her at the appointed time. But he knew how she had lived and the faith that she had in him and how she sought. And while God had a specific plan and a purpose for Mary... I want to remind you, not just as a Christmas message, but I want to remind you as a biblically sound truth that as much as God had a purpose and a plan for Mary and know where to find her, what to say to her, and all of that perfect timing, God has a plan for you. Not just at Christmas. Every single day, God has a plan for you. He knows who you are where you are, what you're doing, what you're going through. He knows all of these things, and he has a purpose and a plan for you. And I want to encourage you as we read and as we see how God weaves his plan for redemption through Jesus and uses Mary, I don't want you to ever unhook the fact that the same God knows you and has a purpose and a plan just for you. Verse 28 says, the angel arrived, and note his first word in verse 28 to Mary was rejoice. Now, if you look at the definition of the word rejoice, it is to feel great joy or to have great delight. Everything that the angel was about to share after the word rejoice would be worthy of rejoicing. It would bring great joy and delight. This is also true for me and you. I just mentioned that God has a purpose for Mary, and he was sending Gabriel to share with her, Mary, I have a plan for you, and this is what it's going to be. And I mentioned that God has a plan for you. Do you know that God's plan for you is worth rejoicing? And you go, I don't even know what it is. It doesn't matter. God's plan for you is worth rejoicing. So many people go, I don't want to get close to God. I'm afraid he'll call me into missions, or he'll call me into the ministry, or he'll want to do this, or he'll want to do that. I don't know what God's specific plan might be for you, but I can tell you with absolute certainty that if you will seek him and trust him and wait on his timing, the purposes and the plans he has for you will be made clear, and they will be worth rejoicing. I stand here being a man who's been married 35 years. I also stand here as a man who's finishing up his 14th year in the ministry where the Lord came 14 years ago and said, hey, I need you to stop doing this, and I need you to start doing that. And I'll tell you, I quit the next day. I didn't stop working the next day because I worked a little bit out. But that next day I went and I said, I quit. I have to. And I shared with them why. Because the Lord had called me into the ministry. And I will tell you that in that moment and every moment since then, I've been thrilled by God's purpose and plan for me. And I stand here to tell you only this one testimony. If you will allow God to have his way, you will rejoice. No matter where he sends you, no matter what he calls you to do, if you will obey his purpose for you, you will rejoice rejoice. And the angel at this Christmas time came to Mary before he even told her all this, and he said, Mary, by this one word, rejoice. He said, everything I'm getting ready to tell you is going to be awesome. It's going to be good because it's from God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, read this way. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Church, that's three verses, three whole verses. And you can memorize those. Those are life-changing verses. Notice that it said, for this, whatever this is in your life, for this, you can rejoice in it because it is the will of God for you. I believe that it is the will of God for Mary to be the mother of Jesus. That's what Scripture teaches us. I believe that it is the will of God for me to be standing right here in this position right now. I believe that God has a purpose for us, every single one of us. And I want to encourage you seek Him, obey Him, and in His time, He will make it clear. And some of you, you might go, Yeah, He's been making it clear to me. I've just not been doing anything about it. What a time. At Christmas to go, you know, I'm going to change all that. I'm going to become obedient. I'm going to stop being disobedient. Some of you are going, I don't know that God has a plan for me. You need to seek him more. If you seek him more, in his word more, he will make himself known to you. Church, I'm here to tell you that he has a purpose for you. And he will share it. Here's the thing. As a Christ follower, we should, based upon Scripture, we should rejoice and be thankful for anything. So I know, based upon what Scripture says, I know that you are able to praise and rejoice God in absolutely everything you're involved in right now. I know that you're able. God's Word says, do this, which means I know that you're able. But here's the question I want to ask you this morning, is are you willing Are you willing to rejoice in circumstances? Are you willing to obey in times of uncertainty? Are you willing to trust God as he leads and guides and directs you? Because one day when he does, whether it be through a passage of scripture, through a worship song, through Gabriel standing in front of you, it's not going to be your ability that will be in question. Because God's already said, You can rejoice in all things. What will be in question is your willingness to let go. And we're going to find that it's the willingness of Mary that we should rejoice about in Christmas. And we're going to find this the willingness of Joseph. Are you willing? This is the great truth within the Christmas story God knows us, God comes to us, God has a purpose for us, and we can rejoice. Because it is God's plan for us. And one day, if you will trust God, you will look back as I get a chance to every now and then in my own life and go, wow, God, you have been faithful. Verse 28, rejoice. He says, highly favored one. He calls her highly favored one, which means greatly beloved. It shouldn't come as any surprise that God loves Mary. But I just want to remind you that God loves you. God is with you, he says. He loves you. Verse 29, it says that she considered what manner of greeting this was. Mary's just sort of seeking to take it all in. If you ever had that, you're going, hold it. I hear everything that's happening, but I sort of got to let this think. You know, one of the things I noticed in Sunday school or in my own life, when I have to decide something or say something, if I think first, I'll be better. And so she's sitting here and she's trying to take this all in because this is a big deal that's happening in her life. Verse 30, Gabriel says to her, Mary, those that God is with you and God loves you and you are greatly beloved. He said, Mary, don't be afraid. Now, I want to stop and just share with you this refrain. We have a uh, nativity scene at our house, and Addie's been at our house a couple, three times, and when this nativity scene has been out. And uh, Lolly, Angela, has taken time to help her understand the nativity scene. And then she'll tell Pops all about what she sees. And she'll tell the story. And then when she gets to the angel, she'll say, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, church, can I tell you that if we go back and read last week's sermon or scripture, when Gabriel showed up to see Zacharias, he said, Don't be afraid. And now, with Mary. Hey, Mary, don't be afraid. Now, we're going to find in Matthew here in just a second, he tells Joseph, hey, Joseph, don't be afraid. And then on Christmas Eve, when we talk about the shepherds, you know what the angel said to the shepherds, right? Hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God, has a, God knows you. God has a purpose for you. God will reveal that to you, and our natural reaction is going to be to be afraid. And I'm here to tell you that Addie reminds me, the Christmas story reminds me, the angel of God reminds me, and God's faithfulness in his word reminds me, hey, don't be afraid. It's all good. Don't be afraid. Why not be afraid? You're going, so God knows me and God has a purpose for me, and I don't know that purpose, but you want me to trust Him so that He will tell me where He wants to go. And I've seen what He's done to Mary, and I saw what He did to Moses, and I saw what He did to Noah, and I saw what He did to all these people, and their lives were just uprooted. And you want me just to not be afraid? Don't be afraid. Why not be afraid? Because in verse 30, the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You're greatly beloved. And and Gabriel, in between verses 31 and 35, reveals details about what's going to happen. Verse 31, you will conceive. Verse 35, by the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, you will have a son. Verse 35, he will be the son of God. Verse 31, you will call him Jesus. Verse 35, he will be the holy one. And Mary asked in verse 34, a pretty astute question, how's this going to happen? Mary was not fearful in her question, she was thoughtful. She said, I'm not married, I've not known a man, I understand enough about how babies are made, and God said, this is going to be different, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Impossible. God will bring about His purpose and His plans. Everything that God desires, church, everything that God desires will be possible. Do you believe that? Everything God desires will be possible. And Mary was sitting here facing the impossible. Mary was being faced with the story of God, and she answered in what I believe is the only way That was right. She answered in the only way that makes sense. She answered in the only way a person of real faith could. She answered in the only way that we should when God speaks to us. She said in verse 38, let it be to me according to your word. In the light of God revealing his plan to Mary, Mary said, God, whatever you want is what I want. I may not understand, but I trust you. It might be hard, but I trust you. I trust you because you love me and you are good to me. So we should rejoice. Amen? Amen. All right. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. I told you we were going to talk about the, uh, to both Mary and Joseph's perspective. Matthew chapter 1. You can go to page 1111 in that pew Bible right there. Matthew chapter 1, when you get to Matthew chapter 1, you're going to want to go to verse 18. I'm counting steadily in my head for just a second to make sure they give you a chance to get there, and then I'm going to read these verses to us. Matthew chapter 1, picking up in verse 18. Now I will tell you that it is my opinion that about three months' time have passed. Because we're told in the sixth month of... And then once we read the full Elizabeth and Zacharias and Mary went to visit story, when it came time for her to be, for John to be born, Mary came back, so she was gone for about three months. And so when we have the scripture, when we read this, we need to understand that time has passed. Joseph has not been brought on the inside of God's plan yet until right now. Matthew chapter 1, beginning up verse 18, says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Verse 24. Then then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, Did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, this is the Joseph perspective. Verse 18, after they were betrothed, we know this, before they came together. Now we reckon, as we've talked about this before, to but to the Jewish people being betrothed was the equivalency of being married legally. You did not live together. You have not consummated your relationship yet. You are in a period of time that will lead toward the completion of marriage. (coughs) And if you found out that someone was pregnant during this time, then everybody makes the assumption that adultery had set in. And so we need to understand the cultural perspective of which this news is being given. Because before the angel comes to see him, Joseph knows she's with child. She's been gone three months. She comes back. Guess what? He finds out. Mary is, I mean, Matthew is clear that Mary was with child by the Holy Spirit. That Mary had not been unfaithful. But Joseph doesn't know this yet. In verse 19, Joseph is a just man. It says, and he was contemplating after this news, putting her away in secret. Joseph had a lot to think about. Look at verse 20. I think it's a very important message. It says, but while he thought about these things, he slept. That's in verse 20. But while he thought about these things, an the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So that's me going. He slept. I like this. Joseph did not act hastily or rash or quickly. He did not seem overly agitated because he was able to sleep. I don't know about you, but when something's on my mind, when it is weighing super heavy on my mind, I'm not sleeping. You can forget it. I'm just not going to. I know that uh, when I went home for a few hours, left Pam and Barry, and then I was going to come back the next morning, I went home, but there was no sleep to be found. I had my phone. It was right there. I knew something was up. There was no sleep. And so we find that Joseph, knowing all of this, is still at a point where he can sleep. That's a cool thing for us to understand that God can provide peace. I like it. Scripture tells us this. Psalm forty-six, ten. God tells us to be still. Psalm 23, God has promised to lead us by still waters. Isaiah 30, 15, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence, you shall gain strength. In Proverbs 14, 29, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding. I think Joseph's initial reactions of thinking and praying and seeking the Lord tell us a great deal about who he is, and we can learn from this. When we wait upon the Lord, he's faithful. Look at verse 20. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And I've mentioned this already. He says, do not be afraid. Take her as your wife. The Holy Spirit has done this. Note these words in verse 20. She shall bring forth a son. You shall call him Jesus. Joseph is a part of God's plan. He's not just a bit character on the outside. It matters how Joseph lives, the decisions Joseph makes to the fulfillment of God's plan. You shall call him Jesus. This also fulfills prophecy. As we saw in verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You notice again, she will have a baby. They will call him Emmanuel. Joseph's response, we find it in verse 24 and 25. Short, he did as the Lord commanded. He took Mary to be his wife. He did not know her until after his birth and called him Jesus. Now, if we're not careful, we will undervalue what just happened right there. We'll just go, oh, that's a sweet little story. And Joseph just goes, yes, Lord, in everything. But chronologically speaking, Joseph, as I've mentioned, was not told by God that Mary was going to be pregnant. If you go back and look at what the angel, Mary is having a child. Mary was pregnant before Joseph found out. I've already said probably about three months. People were going to talk. He was going to be seen as guilty. Or she was going to be seen as guilty and he was going to be seen as weak in this world. But Joseph being just, Joseph being still before the Lord, Joseph being righteous before God, listened to God's angel And accepted God's plan and obeyed everything God said. Obedience is not easy. This is a big deal. We should commit to being disobedient as God reveals himself to us. Matthew is very clear that Mary was a virgin and that the baby was of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, the virgin shall be with child. Verse 25, he did not know her until she had her firstborn. Why is it so important? You know, we sing Christmas carols, and we talk about the Virgin Mary, and we talk about these songs. Why is that important? I just want us to take a second to make sure that we understand why that is so important. See, the virgin birth is more than a miracle to draw attention to the new unique nature of this child. Because Mary was a virgin, only God could have created this child. And this would make Jesus the one and only God-man. God's plan would be impossible in any other way if it were not a virgin woman and the Spirit of God who created this child, there would be no virgin birth, there would be no Messiah, no Christ, no salvation. And there are at least three reasons why we need to understand why the virgin birth is so important. Let me just quote these to you. First, with God as his Father, he, Jesus, did not inherit Adam's sin nature. Therefore, he could be the spotless lamb, the unblemished sacrifice that would satisfy God's judgment of sin. Anything less than perfect would not have been good enough as payment for our sin. Jesus was sinlessly perfect because he was the son of God. Second, because Jesus is God, he his becoming a human, his perfect life and his sacrificial death are actions of God involving himself personally to be involved in our sin problem. God did not sit back, but God, as scripture teaches us, demonstrated his love, gave his son, sent his son. God became one of us. Only God himself could satisfy his own standards of perfection. Only God could offer himself as full payment that would satisfy his own righteous demands and appease his wrath against sin. I saw this quote. Take this quote. It says, God, the judged, passed the death sentence against us. Then God, the Savior, came down to stand in front of us and absorb that sentence himself. That's pretty powerful. This couldn't have happened if Jesus had been born of a human father. And thirdly, because Jesus is human, he qualifies as a representative of the human race, a mediator before God. Now, I'm turning right here. If you want to write in your notes, write... Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 14 to 16. Hebrews four fourteen to 16 said, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who, was, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It would have been meaningless for someone who was not a human to attempt to die for humans because there'd be no connection, no identity to those for whom he had died. In order for Jesus Christ to die in our place, he had to be one of us. Church, can I share with you that this virgin birth is critical to God's plan? It is a core theological tenet that we base the gospel on. Without a human mother, Jesus could not have carried out God's plan to redeem his own people. But he also could not have done it without having a divine father. As Matthew 1.21 said, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So as we sing about the virgin birth, we need to recognize how complicated an issue this is, but how vital it is to what we stand upon at Christmas of the gospel story. And as such, we have seen that both Mary and Joseph were thoughtful, were faithful, they were obedient, and God has a plan. Now, I want to share one final thing with you, and this is not news to some of you because you were here. But in October of 2010, that's when the Lord stepped into my life and called me full-time into the gospel. And he didn't take me from part-time in the gospel. He took me from not even being in the ministry to all of a sudden being fully in the ministry. And I remember, and I hear it clear, and I was in this building when it happened. And I remember going home, knowing, oh, I need to tell my wife what has happened. My wife of now 35 years. And I remember walking in the house and going to find her and finding her and looking at her, and I go, Angela, there's something I need to tell you. And she turned around, and tears running down her face She said, I know. Now, that's a cool story about Jeff and Angela. That's a cooler story about how God reveals his plans. God didn't call Jeff to be the only person whose life was going to be changed because of the ministry. He called Angela as well. And I'm appreciative of her because it's the reason you guys have kept me this long. I get it. But I'm also struck by the fact that God told Mary and God told Joseph. Any other way, and that story would not have held them together as long as they did. God always reveals his plans to you. I know that you are able to rejoice. The question is, is, are you willing to trust God with whatever he wants for your life? Because that is the Lord's message at Christmas. Because somebody here might be saying, I can't trust God for his purposes for me because I've not yet come to know and trust Jesus as my Savior. Man, it's the best gift in the world. If today you do not know Jesus, I would love to help you come to know Jesus. I don't have anything except the truth of God's word, but the Holy Spirit is moving in your life if you are feeling the need to move forward. If perhaps you're here and you're going, I know Jesus, and I'm thankful for that, but I'm not ready to just yield everything to him. I want to encourage you to recognize that that holding back of yourself is not only disobedience against God. You are unplugging yourself from the ability to be fully blessed by God. And I would not love you as your pastor if I did not tell you the truth. And the truth is there is nothing better than allowing God to have his way. And I don't know what that means to you in this moment. I just know it means something to you, or God wouldn't have brought me to this point of us sharing it together.